Try to bring to mind or imagine or remember people throughout your life that have had an incredible impact on you. People that made a real difference in your life, whether when you were young, growing up, as a child, as a student, whether it was a, a teacher or a coach or a relative, someone who really had an impact on your life. I can think of two among many. And they're two not because of something nice or something really wonderful, although they did do something really wonderful for me. And what they did was they told me the truth. They gave me a hard word. One was a teacher and one was a coach. And they gave me a hard word. Now, there's a difference between a hard word and a harsh word. I want to make a distinguishing factor there. A harsh word is something that's usually done out of a mean spirit, something that's usually done out of just anger or frustration or whatnot. But a hard word is something we often need to hear at a moment, and it may not be easy to hear it. It might invoke, and it usually does invoke, a response in us. We might feel a little embarrassed or ashamed or upset when someone gives us a hard word. But when it is done out of love for us, when it is done out of the desire for the best for us, that can be one of the most impactful things that can happen to us in our life, depending on how we receive it and what we do with it how we receive it and what we do with it. Because sometimes that feeling of anger might be there a little bit, but one of the blessings of anger is that it gives you energy. And then you can choose what to do with that energy. You can lash back at the person, you can dismiss them, you can say, oh, you know, whatever. You know, you could just really blow it off and blame them and they don't know what they're talking about and all this kind of stuff. Or you can sit and think about it critically because we do have to receive criticism critically. People aren't always right. But after thinking about it, say, you know, maybe there's something I need to do with that. Maybe there's some way I need to change based on this word that's been given to me. We see that in the gospel today. John the Baptist, he's a prophet. And the prophets of Israel were not just people who predicted the future. Sometimes people think of prophets in this way, people who said what was going to happen. Sometimes the prophets did that. Daniel did that and Ezekiel did that. They all did that in some way. But a prophet primarily, the Hebrew prophets, were those that stood in the presence of God and they bore witness to what God is doing and they proclaimed that to others. They bore witness to what God is doing, what they saw God is doing, and they proclaimed that and they shared that with others. That was their calling. That's the calling of a prophet. John the Baptist is among the last of the prophets prophesying about Christ. Ultimately, all the prophets were talking about Jesus Christ in some way, even hundreds of years before his birth. So John is bearing witness to Christ, 
but he's also sometimes giving people a hard word. We see it when he's out baptizing in the river. The Pharisees come out to him, and he says, Who called you out here, you brood of vipers? That's a pretty hard word, right? They don't respond to it very well. They kind of blow him off. But then he also talks to the soldiers. Don't extort the tax collectors. You don't take more than what you're supposed to. Those that had an abundance, share with the poor, and so on and so forth. He gives the people the word of righteousness. That's what a prophet does. And he gives Herod the king a word of righteousness. Now Herod, these kings at the time, they were very loosely affiliated with the Hebrew nation. They were more Roman figures, kind of put in place, you know, kind of cronies. And so Herod was put, but he was still put in a position of authority over the people of Israel. And John the prophet still has a responsibility to tell him the truth. So he tells him, it's not lawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. Herod was the son of Herod, who was the one who had all of the children killed between birth and two because he was afraid that when he heard the Magi talk about the king of Israel, he didn't want this king to come and usurp him. So he had all of these children slaughtered. The Synoxidian says about 20,000. Jesus, we know, and his family fled down into Egypt. And of course, Herod died from some terrible stomach ailment even before the Lord returned as a very young child. So this is his son, Herod the Tetrarch. He's up in the region of Galilee in a town called Sephorus, about a mile out away from Nazareth where Jesus grew up. And um, his brother Philip was married to Herodias. Herod was in Rome. Long story short, he and Herodias had a thing. And so he divorced his wife and she left his and whatever and they got together and they came back as king and queen to Galilee. So John says, this is not lawful what you've done and what's happened. So he stands opposed to him. And interestingly enough, it says Herod heard him gladly. He had him arrested for the sake of Herodias. She had a grudge against this word. She did not respond very well to this word. John was inconvenient. The truth was inconvenient to her. It was getting in the way of what she wanted. So she held a grudge against him. She had him arrested. And eventually, of course, Herod, as we hear in the gospel today, he has a big birthday party. Lots of food, lots of drinking, lots of dancing. By the way, that's why we keep a fast day today. You know, we keep a strict fast day today. Herod was having a huge party and was kind of out of control. We can imagine he didn't maintain control of his senses. He let the passions overrun him. And then he's excited by Salome, Herodias' daughter's dancing, and he makes a very foolish oath. Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you, even half of my kingdom. Who does such a thing? It shows how he really felt about his kingdom. 
that he would just give away half of it because he was excited about a dance that was done on his birthday, right? And so, of course, we hear in the gospel again, she goes to her mother, her mother says, give me the head of John. And of course, Herod is sorry when he hears this, but he didn't want to break his oath in front of his friends. So he does this terrible deed, this terrible act. Over and over and over, Herod, Herodias, they had an opportunity to respond to the hard word of John. They responded very, very poorly. But others repented, received the truth that John was giving them, received it gladly. They responded very well and entered into the path of salvation. You know, we see the same thing happen in the book of Acts. Peter gives his famous sermon at Pentecost. And the people, it says, are cut to the quick. And they ask him, they said, what do we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. This is for you and for your household. And you will receive the Holy Spirit as promised to those near and promised to those far. And so they respond in this way. They're convicted, but they respond in this way. 3,000 plus their households are baptized that day. But later on, when Stephen gives his sermon, it says the same thing, the people are cut to the quick. But what do they do? They take him outside of the town and they stone him. Now either way, it sounds kind of horrific. The beheading of John, the stoning of Stephen, but even then, God continues to work. And you see it in that icon, the icon of the resurrection. Who's there in the icon? Who preceded the Lord? Even to Hades. Who keeps being the forerunner? John. Who keeps preaching to the souls, even in Hades, even in death? John the Baptist. He's always the forerunner. Jesus says, no one born of woman is greater than John. But then he says, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Brothers and sisters, sometimes we get a hard word in life. Sometimes we get a hard word from the Gospels. Sometimes we might get a hard word from a brother and sister in Christ, whoever it may be. Examine it critically, but it's always an opportunity on how to respond. To respond well, in order to enter into the path of salvation, to use that energy that might be created by that response to do good. And we're warned today about the poor response, the response of the passions, the response of the ego. This is not the response that leads to life. This is the response that leads to death. The response that leads to life is the response of a turn towards God turn towards the truth of the gospel, which ultimately leads to a turn to the light of Christ. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and to the ages of ages. Amen.